Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again today, and uh, thank you so much for faithfully joining us. Thank you for uh, sharing uh, with your friends about our program. And uh, I trust that uh, we, I, I trust that a spirit of revelation is coming upon you, at least the possibility that many things that we've taken for granted because we look at them through the lens of the carnal mind rather than through the lens of the spirit. I think one of the things that I have done faithfully throughout this teaching on the book of Revelation is I've done what the scripture taught, and that is compare spiritual things with spiritual things. And we have shown you how that the Old Covenant, first of all, is the shadow, and the New Covenant is the substance. For instance, the Old Covenant had a physical, literal mercy seat. But in the New Covenant, Jesus is called our propitiation. He is our mercy seat. In the Old Covenant, there was a physical, literal tabernacle. But in the New Covenant, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. In the Old Covenant, uh, there was uh, physical, literal Barnyard creatures that were used for sacrifice in the New Covenant, Jesus has become the ultimate Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, everything shifts from the tangible, uh, natural, uh, into the dimension and realm of the Spirit. And if you can see what's happening in the Spirit, something very powerful is happening. We have filmed, and this is probably, I think, either the sixth or the eighth program, I've lost count, uh, dealing with Revelation chapter number 21. We're going to deal with, I think, one more today and make some concluding remarks. But again, starting out by saying simply that John, in the book of Revelation, says, come and see. Come and see. And then he ends the book of Revelation by saying, and I saw. And I saw. And so uh, I hope that as you are coming to the conclusion of this book, you are beginning to respond and say, and I saw. And I saw. Uh, Revelation 21 starts out, but this is, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. First heaven, the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. We've already dealt with that. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. I believe that really relates to the former things are the things that were related to the Old Covenant and to the Old Covenant uh, curses of the law. Uh, and he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. It's finished. It's done. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I'll be his God. He shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come up hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit of a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone. Now let me just review just a little bit. The new heaven and the new earth, and I'm not going to go into why because I've already dealt with that for the other uh, segments I've dealt with. The new heaven and the new earth are the doing away of the old covenant, the old creation, the old tabernacle, 
the old Israel, the old Jerusalem, because now we've got a new heaven and a new earth. We have a new creation. We have a new temple. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost in the new creation. The old Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD, a new Jerusalem came on the scene. An old tabernacle passed off the scene, and a new tabernacle came on the scene. I showed you back how that uh, uh, even the Jewish mindset would have embraced or believed that their temple, Bethel, the house, the gate of heaven is what that meant, uh, was their temple, the place, the meeting place of God. And even Josephus uh, uh, writes in his history how they considered that to be the gate of heaven. And so there's a new heaven and a new earth because there's a new tabernacle on the scene. I talked about how under the old covenant you were under curse that caused weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. In the new covenant, God will wipe all tears off of all faces because there's no more curse. Under the old covenant, it was time to weep. In the new covenant, it's time to be comforted. I showed you how that you could drink of the water of life freely and without cost to you, and it was what you drink that wipes the tears from your eyes. So if we're drinking from the new covenant water of the life of Jesus and the well of salvation, it is removing the tears and the weeping from our eyes. And I showed you that if old Jerusalem passed off the scene, a new Jerusalem came on the scene. I showed you and compared last week, especially with Isaiah chapter 60, that it was almost a parallel to Revelation chapter 21 that talked about her gates being open day and night. It talked about no need of the light of the sun because God would be the light there. Revelation 21, there's no need of the sun, the moon, and the stars for the Lord God Almighty are the light of it. I talked about how that uh, this city had the glory of God like a jasper stone. And we showed you the jasper stone was also used to describe Jesus in uh, Revelation chapter 4, that he that sat upon the throne was to look upon like a jasper. So this bride, this lamb's wife, this community of faith, this new Jerusalem, this city of God, whatever terminology you want to call her, uh, she looks like Jesus. It was clear as a crystal, which tells me there's no uncleanness, no impurity in her. She's been purified. It also tells me that if it's clear as a crystal, no matter if it was the gold street or the wall, the Bible said the whole city was like gold, transparent, clear as a crystal. And one of the things that says to me is, number one, it's a transparent people. It's a people who have no hidden agendas. But it also says to me, if it's clear as a crystal, that it can be right in your midst and you can't see it. Unless you have eyes of the Spirit to see it, you're not going to see what I'm saying to you. But the Spirit, I believe, is saying, come and see. And I believe the Spirit of Revelation can come across as I've tried my best to communicate to you what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying. We talked about that uh, her, it was a, uh, had a wall great and high and had 12 gates. And at the 12 gates, it had 12 angels and names written there on which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. I'm going to talk about that more in this segment, and this is probably what we're going to be emphasizing on. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. Three gates. The wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he talked with me, had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lies four square. One of the things I want to point out to you about the city lies four square. It's as high and broad, as long as it is. It's a cube. One of the things that I really was brought to my attention is the glory of God is in this, and it reminds me of the Old Testament Holy of Holies. The Old Testament Holy of Holies was a cube. It was a square. 
And so when I see this city being four square, what I think about is a people who are living in the holiest of holies. The way into the holiest has now been made. And there are people that are living in the glory of God. And in the tabernacle of Moses, the glory, the Shekinah glory of God was in the third dimension behind the veil in the most holy place. And the fact that the glory of God rests upon this city and this people tells me that they are living in a dimension where the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God is upon them and they are a most holy place people, if you will. And he talked with me, had to read, he measured the walls of the city and uh, uh, the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs, the length of the breadth and the height of it are equal. He measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. I showed you also how that uh, there was 12,000 of every tribe sealed in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation on Mount Zion. There's with him 144,000. The biblical number 144 literally means 1,000. It's a comp- that's a compound of twelves. Twelve is the number of government. And when you, when you see uh, uh, 144,000, it simply means to me the overcomers. It's simply talking about the overcomer with the glory of God because he says again in Revelation chapter 3, to him that overcomes, I'll write upon him the name of my God and the, city, the name of the city of my God, which is the New Jerusalem. So the overcomer is the city of God. Its, it's measurements simply declare they're overcomers. The foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation, and he lists those 12 stones. In between segments, uh, I looked at some of my notes and I began to think about how that the breastplate of the high priest had on it the 12 stones that are listed, uh, that are similar to these 12 stones that are here. This is just my opinion on it, but as we see that the uh, foundation is uh, built upon the foundation uh, was, was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That shows me that they've shifted from a Levitical order of priesthood that carry on their breastplate uh, the, the, the 12 stones that had the names of the 12 tribes of Israel, that what has happened is it has shifted to an apostolic foundation now where the government doesn't flow from a Levitical priesthood, but it flows from apostles that laid the foundation of this city in the first century. It was built upon the twelve uh, uh, apostles of the Lamb, and uh, the gates were of everyone was of several pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And we showed you how that the street of the city is not necessarily talking about something you drive a car on, but it's a street called straight. It's a highway called holiness. It is a way. Uh, Jesus says uh, that straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And what we showed you in the last segment is that Jesus was the only way. And the broad way is when you think there's another way in. You think you can do it through labor, sweat, through old covenant performance. And, and that's what Jesus was talking to when he was talking to them about you're trying to enter in to, but you're entering in through the Broadway, and it simply leads you to destruction. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And so Jesus is the straight and narrow. And then when we're walking, listen, listen, you don't have to wait till you die and go to heaven to walk on golden streets. You're already walking on golden streets when you walk in the divine nature of God. When you think about even the temples that Solomon built, everything in this thing was paved with pure gold. But gold speaks in the scripture of the de- deity, of divine nature. 
What in the new covenant is that we're not entering into a temple, we've become a temple. And uh, we've become a temple for God to live in, and God has become a temple for us to live in. Because we see in Revelation chapter 21 uh, that there's no temple therein, but the Lord God Almighty are the temple of it. So God becomes our tabernacle, and then Revelation 21, the first couple of verses says, uh, that, uh, that, that, says uh, that uh, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. So we become the tabernacle that God lives in, and God becomes the tabernacle that we live in. It is just the same terminology that we shared in another segment where we told you in John 14, I and my Father, we will come and take up our abode in Him. And he talks about them being in us and us being in them. It's that simple, folks. We make it difficult, but it's very powerful that something has powerfully shifted here. The city had no need of the sun, the moon, and the stars uh, to shine in it. The glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. The kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. This cannot be a planet three miles south of Mars called heaven because the kings of the earth are bringing their glory. They are walking in the light of it. We are to be a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. We are to be the light of the world. We are to affect the nations. Uh, and we will see in the next chapter where he talks about the leaves of this tree are for the healing of the nations. And uh, outside this city are dogs and whoremongers and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. This city is already in planet earth. It is the capital city where the king now dwells, where the government of the kingdom flows from. It is the church, the community of faith. If we could just get a hold of that. We could transform the world. And he goes on to say, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defiles whatsoever worketh abomination or makes a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And before I close this segment, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the uh, gates of the city uh, that were uh, three on the north, three on the east, three on the west, three on the south. As I begin to think about this, and on the names of those uh, twelve gates, was the names of the twelve tribes of Israel, I believe it is. And uh, they had on them the names of the, uh, of the twelve tribes of Israel. What I began to think about in my mind was when the camp of Israel, when they were coming out of Egypt into the Promised Land, God told them to camp in a certain pattern. Three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, and three on the west. They were literally camped when they were at rest. They were camped in the shape of a cross. Imagine, if you would, flying over this. It, of course, they didn't have helicopters back then. But the view from heaven was three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, three on the west. They're camped in the shape of a cross with the tabernacle and the house of God as being the center place of their community. What I see pictured in that is, first of all, if you're going to be a camp at rest, it's going to be because your focus is on, it's folks, their focus was inward towards the house of God, the temple of God, the tabernacle of God. And so uh, it, it, they, would, they would be facing, and what was going on in this temple was the sacrifices were being offered. And in other words, and even, even the tabernacle of Moses, the furniture in the tabernacle was arranged in the shape of a cross, and every piece of furniture was at a bleeding spot where Jesus bled. So if you will, this city to me speaks of people who've got their focus on the work of the cross and what it accomplished. They are looking inward and their focus is inside of it. And, and it's interesting to me 
that when the camp is at rest, I used to say this, I used to think about uh, you know, how that God would tell them, the, the camp, and He literally told them, with their backs facing their enemies. And I said, God, why in the world would you tell the people of, of Israel to camp with their backs toward their enemies? And He said to me, because if they'll keep their focus on the cross, I've got their back. Man, that'll preach. Your, your wall shall be called salvation. Your gates shall be called praise. I'm telling you, if you put your focus on Jesus, who is the central figure of the book of Revelation, He is the Lamb that's in the midst of the city. He's the central figure. A river's going to flow out of it in chapter 22 of Revelation. And this street is going to be right in the middle of the river. So what it says to me is that the street comes out of a flow of a revelation of the finished work of Jesus. There's a slain Lamb in the middle of a throne and a river runs through it. <laughs> and so what it says to me is that when this camp was at rest, if their focus was on the cross, God had their backs. But it also says this to me, if I was facing in the north, and you were in the north facing towards the south, I'm looking over your shoulder and I can see enemies approach you from behind. If you're on the east and you are looking west and the guy on the west is looking at the east, then he can see over your back and he can see what's happening behind you. The second thing the Lord said to me is when the camp was at rest, they were camped in a way where we had each other's backs. Boy, that'll preach. Because if there's anything we need in this hour, it's people that got each other's backs, that aren't trying to fight each other and kill each other, but they're, got, I got your back, man, you know? And the banners that flew over these, uh, these, these tribes were uh, Judah was of a lion. Uh, Dan was the symbol of an eagle. Uh, Manasseh, I believe, was the sign. Uh, Ephraim was the sign of the ox, and Manasseh was the sign of the man. The four center signs that you see in Revelation chapter 4, of uh, this four-faced living creature, was the four innermost tribes of Israel when they were camped at rest. Go back and look at some of that that I taught earlier. So when you see that, it's not mystical stuff. The stuff you see in Revelation is also in the Old Testament, we're using spiritual things to interpret spiritual things. So when the camp was at rest, they were also, every one of those 12 tribes were designated uh, one of the symbols of the 12 signs of the zodiac. So that when you flew over the camp of Israel at rest, it was like you were seeing from the heavens the, the 12 signs of the zodiac. In the zodiac and its 12 signs, we're not talking about your horoscope or how man has polluted it. It was talking about the message of redemption because it begins with a virgin or Virgo who has a seed of corn in one hand and a wave of sheath in the other. And Virgo simply means a virgin is going to conceive and have a son. And if it brings forth, if it falls, if that seed falls to the earth and dies, it'll bring forth much fruit. The other end of the spectrum is Leo the lion. He's the lion out of the tribe of Judah that's prevailed. And whether it's Hercules who grabs the serpent by the throat and has in his heel a star that means the one whose heel would be bruised is the one who will bruise the head of the serpent. It's all through the scripture. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare night unto night they utter speech. It's not because it's pretty out there, but because even the 12 signs of the zodiac, long before there was ever holy writ, God wrote His plan in the stars. So Romans 1 says, if you don't have a Bible, you're without excuse. Job, uh, God asked Job the question, can you uh, loose the band of Orion? Orion is a constellation. Can you bring forth, can you bind the sweet influence of Pleiades? Can you bring forth Maseroth in its season? Maseroth is the 12 signs of the zodiac. He says, then can you guide Arcturus and his sons, that is the great shepherd, as he leads his sons in a path through the heavens? 
And then he says, do you understand the ordinances of the heavens and can you set their dominion in the earth? In other words, do you understand the message of the heavens and can you reproduce it in the earth? See, what the revelation is about is thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven is a camp at rest. It's a people of God in the cross. It is a people of God who are under uh, the glory of God, who are focused on the central theme of the cross, where God's got your back and you've got each other's backs. I can't help but think about even where it was the prophet Balaam that was hired to curse the people of God. And he went up on the mountain hired by, I believe it was Balaam, to curse the people of God. And when he got up on the mountain, every time he'd get up on the mountain, he would bless God's people and not curse them. And so uh, the king would press him and say, listen, man, you know, I've given you a lot of money to curse these people. I've hired you to curse them. See, see the error of Balaam in the book of Revelation was you're trying to put people under a curse that are under a curse. The spirit of Balaam that's in the church today is, is when preachers want to put you back up under the law because the only way you can curse people in the new covenant is they that are of the works of the law are under a curse. But we're not under the law, therefore we're not under a curse. So the only way you can curse God's people is to put them back up under the law. And there's a lot of people making a lot of money by putting you back up under the law. And uh, that's up to them and what they want to do. But this preacher is going to preach the new covenant. But here's what happens when, when, when um, Balaam, or uh, when, the, when the prophet goes back up the mountain, he gets the third time, the third time he goes up on the mountain. He looks down over the mountain, and it's the third time that he's up there trying to get something else. And, and he, he rears back and he said, When I beheld Israel in her tents. Now, if he was beholding Israel in her tents, he was seeing the camp at rest with three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, three on the west. He was seeing, the, he was seeing uh, if you will, the people typologically in the shape of a cross. And he said, when I beheld Israel in her tents, he reared back and said, if God has blessed Jacob, who can curse? The word, who can curse him? The word has gone out of my mouth that will not return unto me void. And when God puts a people that you see here in Revelation chapter 21, with three gates on the north, three on the south, three on the east, and three on the west, what he's showing you is this is a people that are in the cross, and they are no longer under the curse of the law. I don't care what prophet it is that wants to prophesy a curse on you. You're not up under the curse. It's the error of Balaam. We're not up under a curse any longer. One of the things I could say also concerning this several pearl is when you look at the, uh, even the parables of uh, the kingdom where Jesus is talking about the kingdom, you have to hear them through a Jewish mindset. And when he said the kingdom of God is like a, uh, a man who saw goodly pearls in the field, he saw all he had to buy that pearl. Uh, what we don't think about sometimes is the fact that a pearl in the mind of the Jewish mindset was an, a bottom feeder. An oyster fed on bottom, it got sand in it, and it would become irritated until it would produce an enzyme that would produce pearls, goodly pearls. So in the mind of the Jewish person, an oyster was a bottom feeder. And so this could literally also be taken where Jesus is talking about, uh, you know, a man would sell all that he has to go buy the pearl, that in the mind of the Jews, the Gentiles were unclean. They were bottom feeders. They were uh, what they would consider uh, common or unclean when Peter saw the vision in the book of Acts of uh, a, a, a sheet knit at the four corners with all kind of four-footed beasts, creeping things. He said, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And God wasn't just showing him pork chops now or what we would call some kind of an unclean animal. He was showing him the house of Cornelius or the bringing in of the Gentiles. So what I want to share with you is simply this. The pearl to me speaks of the fact that Jesus gave his life 
not just for a natural seed of 12 tribes of Israel, but for a spiritual seed of people in the cross, a people redeemed from the curse of the law. The suffering of this pearl of great price, Jesus sold all that He had to buy that pearl, and the pearl is salvation to both Jew and Gentile. I think that's incredible stuff. As I look at this and bring this segment to a closing, is that these gates are open day and night. No matter where you access this king, no matter what camp you come through, you know, you might be at one camp, you know, if you were Judah, your focus was on, you were camped right in front of the brazen altar, so you were preaching what you saw. You're preaching the blood sacrifice. You're preaching the, uh, uh, the, uh, the sacrifice. If you were sitting on the, the, the north side, you're preaching, uh, or not the north side, but the, I, I, I forget which tribes were. I know that Judah was at the entrance gate, but the other side, would have been looking towards the most holy place, and they'd have been preaching on the mercy seat. They'd been talking about the mercy of God. Uh, the other camp would have been focused on the table of showbread. They'd have been making an emphasis on the Word, the Word, the Word. The others would have been focusing on the candlestick, and they'd been talking about the oil of anointing and the gifts of the Spirit that flow through the anointing. If some were facing the uh, altar of incense, their emphasis would be on praise and worship. All kinds of different camps that you fellowship with are at some point of revelation. Some are seeing the blood, some are seeing the bread, some are seeing the oil of anointing, some are seeing the mercy seat. What we've done is we've preached the parts and preached them as the whole rather than preach the whole counsel of God. But I want to tell you that we need to lose our tribal mentality and come to a place where we realize we're one holy nation. Now there are certain tribes that we fit in at certain times and that's where our emphasis is at. And that's where we fit in. But don't think for one moment that people who are not in your group are not part of the holy nation. They may be a different tribe, but they're part of the holy nation. And we need to realize this. The Baptists are not our enemies. The Pentecostals are not our enemies. The Charismatics are not our enemies. Uh, They are just different camps. We are brothers, and we need to look over each shoulders and have each other's backs. And I believe if we'll do that, God's got our back. He's our rear guard. The walls are salvation. The gates are praise. I think I've covered this city pretty good. We could spend a long time and just really milk the details. But that, in a nutshell, I think describes what this holy city is. It's not a place. It's a people. Uh, We're out of time. Take a moment to call that number on the screen. Join us again next week as we uh, tap into chapter 22. We're going to bring this to a conclusion very quickly. Thank you again. Call that number and sow seed into the ministry. Help us to take the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of His grace around the world. You're part of this city, and you can touch the nations with the light of the glory that's inside of you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. God bless you. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.